Amen. Whew. So, um, kids, you are released to all of your wonderful potential in the children's ministry downstairs. Um, really quick, though, for all of you, um, I really want to ask uh, kids, teachers of kids, as you're going and as you're exiting, I really want all of the kids to try to get back up here around, let's say, 1145, okay? There's something I feel God is, uh, is, is wanting us to do as a community this morning and as a family this morning. And so I would love to see all the kids back up here. 1145, kids, you can join back up with your folks. And we will we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. So, Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. Yeah, right? I know, that's how everybody feels right about now. <laughs> Woo! That was quite a week. Saw Rich and Ann, the grandparents, this morning. <laughs> Ann's just like, oh my gosh, two weeks, two weeks of children everywhere. Blessing and exhausting. Well, what a blessing, right? What a blessing family is. What a blessing children are. What a blessing to come together and celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, but we never stop. It's not one day a year, right? It's every day. Um, we never stop. And I just want to really quick, though, before moving into uh, you know, talking about the message, Take a moment, uh, being that it's the last Sunday of this year, 2023, I want to take a moment and I just want to say thank you to Pastor Rich and Ann, Pastor AJ and Tammy, to our staff, to our elders, Donna and uh, Brian and Donna, and all of the volunteers that serve around here. Can we just give them a round of applause? Thank you so much. They don't do it for praise. They don't do it for acknowledgement. They don't. But at the same time, they've been faithful. They've been walking through years of serving here, and I've only been here for three months. But I've seen how, <laughs> I've seen how, they, how they are. I've seen who they are. And I'm, getting, I'm loving getting to know everybody better. And, uh, and as I've been here and just seeing how things have been going, um, I just am so appreciative. I'm really appreciative of what God has here and what we've been blessed to join up with. And so... Thank you to all of you who serve in whatever capacity you help with. This might be your week off, but thank you for what you do. This is, that's, it's the body coming together to serve the Lord, to love the Lord, to be representatives of light and love in the world. And part of that is making church function on Sunday so people can come who are seeking to know the Lord, where we can come, who are family, to worship together and to praise the Lord. And so I just am super appreciative as we're crossing into this new year of just everything everybody's been doing. And um, yeah, so just very encouraged. And I want to just, I didn't have this either that I was going to share, but, um, but as we were worshiping this morning and as I was, I was praying and I was you know, listening for the leading of the Holy Spirit, um, in relation to this beginning of this new year, the, the, there is a lot that we've been talking about that's going on. 
the first fruits, seven nights of worship, 7 p.m. to whenever Holy Spirit closes it down, <laughs> right? And there's 21 days of prayer um, that's going to be going on, uh, that we're partnering with the greater body. Both of those things are unity events. They're both things that we're doing to partner with other churches and other ministries that all love Jesus and all a part of the same body. And they're all over this region, and we're coming together to try to, to draw together the body of Christ in the region. And so I can't stop by just saying, hey, go to this event. I have to implore you to really go to these events. Like, I, whatever you can make it to. But say, God, what does my sacrifice to you look like in the new year? If, if I'm to bring to you the first of everything I have, what should I do in relation to seven nights of worship, in relation to 21 days of prayer? And to add on to that, we're going to be fast food Thursdaying here. That was my, that was my name, fast food Thursday. Don't, that doesn't mean you get to eat fast food on Thursdays. That means on Thursdays for the month of January, we are coming together in a corporate fast. So for the, the month of January, we are going to come after the heart of the Lord with more than we've ever done at the beginning of the year. I mean, maybe you have. I haven't. And God forgive me for not coming to, to you at the beginning and just saying, here's the first of my time, my energy, my effort, my focus, my adoration. Here's the first of what I have to give. And so, so I want to ask you all to please pray about it. The, f the fasting of food can be whatever God lays on your heart. It could be sugar. It could be a meal. It could be all day, a water fast. Pray about it. Don't, 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 you know, because that's a, you have to seek wisdom regarding fasting. You really do, especially if it's not something you've practiced before. So don't just drop everything. I'm going hardcore because you might get lightheaded and you might fall down and it would be really unfortunate to see anybody get hurt while they're trying to give God more of, of themselves. So make sure you pray and seek the Lord. What does it look like for me to, to, to fast, and, and how does that look? The other thing I want to add on to that, and this is just a little, to put it over the edge, pray about an electronic fast for the month of January and what that looks like to you too. God, what does it look like for me to lay my phone down for a day or to not stream movies for the month, you know? week or whatever. I'm just saying, like, what does it look like for me to take that time and devote it to being in your word, to devote it to being in prayer, to devote it to being um, about your business, whatever that might be. Reading a book. There's amazing books um, that uh, I, I know a pastor who back in, I think it was about 2017-ish, gave up watching any TV, watching any movies. Like, he's not religious about it, but he's just like, there's so many amazing books of people who are so wise and profound in the Lord that he's, he decided it's like, I'm either going to be in my word or I'm going to be gleaning wisdom from some of these um, mystics of the faith, the, you know, the C.S. Lewis's and the, you know, um, Brother Lawrence's of, of the faith. And so that's an amazing opportunity, I believe, for us in that started this new year to maybe form some new spiritual habits. And then we'll, we'll see if it keeps on rolling. But I just think that this is a brilliant way to start off the new year with saying, God, I give you more. And uh, just to, you know, 
something I was reading uh, recently in Nehemiah 10. He says, we will bring the first fruits of our land and our every fruit tree to the Lord's house year by year. We will also bring the firstborn of our sons and our livestock as prescribed by the law. That's what they traditionally did back then. Uh, we'll bring the firstborn of our herds and flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who serve in our God's house. We will bring a loaf from our first batch of dough. It was, this was a common practice for the people of God to take the first because they, they were like, this is how important you are to me. That's what it is. It's a statement of importance. It's a, it's a statement of priority. And so just um, wanted to really emphasize stepping into what is being presented to you in the beginning of this new year um, as part of a, a unified movement in the, in the region, in the area. So come on out. Tomorrow night is real life. Odd, real life, even praise. <laughs> All right. Another thing that is going to be actually happening in conjunction with that 21 days is on the 21st, that Sunday night here, we're going to be having a big culminating praise night. Um, and, uh, you know, the, so all the churches would be being guided to come here and we'll be doing a big regional night of praise, kind of as a culmination celebration of those 21 days of prayer. So, so yeah, mark your calendars for that as well. All right. All right, so we got a lot to talk about, and I'm super excited about where God's taking us. I'm super excited about what God's been revealing. And uh, as you came in, you were probably handed a piece of paper. We're going to get to that. Um, this is a vision casting Sunday. We're going to be talking about um, just what the vision has been um, given uh, through the Holy Spirit for Praise Fellowship and for not just Praise Fellowship, because I believe it's supposed to go beyond the region, in our part, as part of the church of the region. And so we're going to be talking about all of those things. Let me find my place here in the Bible. Doo -doo -doo -doo. There we go. <laughs> all right. Um, but yeah, so over the next several weeks, um, we're going to be talking, uh, this, this morning we're going to be talking vision. Next week we'll be talking our mission. And then... Throughout the course of the next, uh, the rest of January, possibly even the end of February, we're going to be talking values. All right? We're going to be mission, vision, and values. Because this is of extreme importance that we understand. If we're saying, like, this is our vision as a church that's God-given, we don't want to just take it lightly. And if we're saying that this mission uh, that is what God's uh, given us as a way in which we see the vision come to its uh, completion or fruition, we don't want to take that lightly. And if these are the values that we need to embody in order to see the mission achieved and then in order to see the vision come to a realization, we don't want to take those lightly. So I'll, we'll take however long we need to according to the Spirit of God. Amen? Because I want to make sure that we all understand um, as much as possible what it is God's asking us to do for such a time as this. Because you're not here by happenstance, you're not here by chance, you've walked into this room on this morning by the will of God. Amen? You've walked into this room this morning by the will of God. He's allowed you to take the breath to get you up this morning. He's allowed you to make it here. He's allowed anyone watching online to be listening this morning. 
God is in control. He's in, he's in charge. And we have to make sure we acknowledge that every single day. He is the one. He is the reason. That's why we praise. Every day we praise him because he's worthy of it. But this is super important stuff for us to be going over. All right? It's, cl it's clear in Scripture, in Proverbs uh, 28, says, where there is lack of vision, the people perish. We must have a vision as a community. And a lot of people think vision, mission, core values, these are structural, structural mechanisms used by the corporate world in order to maximize business growth, and da-da-da-da-da-da. And it is true. This is, these are the models that corporations use in order to really get people on board with what they're about and to get people to consume what they're trying to sell them, right? And so, and so but I want to make it very clear. I'm not, this isn't something we're taking as a church from the secularized world. This is something the secularized world has taken from the church. Amen. The original mission, or vision rather, not the original. I could go all the way back to Adam and Eve and give you a foundation for this. But I'm going to start at Abram. When Abram, before he was Abraham, when he was given the promise of God to make him a nation, to, to give him children that would become as multiple as the stars in the sky and as, as many as the sand on the seashore, that was a vision of something that had yet not been and he was like, how? I have a wife, Sarai, who is up to this point barren. There are no children in my future from what I can see in the natural. But God said, this is what I'm going to do. And Abram's like, okay. And then he said, now I'm going to take you to a promised land where those people can reside. And he's like, oh, yeah, where's that? And he's like, just follow me. And he's like, are you serious? And he's like, all right, Sarah, come on, we're going. Where are we going, Abram? You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, what, why are we going there? Because we're supposed to have a land for all of our kids. What? Like, we haven't even had a kid yet. And anyways, so, I mean, it's just, that was the initial vision that God gives. And the, the initial, you know, mission that he gives. Like, the mission was multiply, which seemed impossible. The vision was Go to the promised land with all who you multiply and bring along the way, which seemed impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so that was it. And so the, the you know, time goes on, and then this, this vision gets passed on to who? Moses. And Moses, he's like, meets him in the bush, and he's like, hey, listen, you got to go take the people of God to the promised land. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, the Israelites who are enslaved in Egypt. I want you to go get them, free them, and then take them to the promised land. And so he's like, how? Why me? Who am I, Lord? I don't understand, right? And then, and then God says, okay, fine, I'll let you take Aaron. But other than that, you're relying on me. You know, so he lets him take his brother Aaron. They go, and they free Israel, and they head towards the promised land. So he's been given the vision, taking all the nation of Israel, all of Abraham's children, to the promised land, he's been given the mission, free them from Egypt, and then along the way, God sees fit to give them their core values, a.k.a. the Ten Commandments. And so he's laid this out. This isn't something that we are getting from secularized world. This is something they have gotten from us. 
Because God is the one who builds things. God is the one who makes things good, right, and new. And he's the one that can increase, decrease, and do what he's. So we want to look to him and say, God, what is your vision for us? What is within that, what is your mission you want us to achieve first? And then ultimately, what are the values you want us to embody in order that we might achieve these things? So that's what we're talking about this morning. Now, here's the thing that I want to warn us about this morning before we move on. When you think about the generation that Moses freed from Israel, they got the values. Moses had the vision and the mission, and he was telling them, here's the values. We've got to live by these commandments. But they didn't allow themselves to fully embody and trust the Lord. Therefore, they never got to see the fulfillment of the promise. The first generation freed from Israel, they never got to see it because they never fully lived it. So we need to make sure as a community that we are allowing ourselves to fully embrace that which God is putting before us. That we're allowing ourselves to fully embrace the values that God is is wanting to instill in order that we can make sure that we are going to be able to be, as Jacob and Caleb were, the ones that can cross into the promise. But we've got to hear the warning. We've got to take heed and understand that it's a matter of our commitment to what he's asking us to do. And as we have all read through the Old Testament, Israel was a little wishy-washy on their commitment. But we need to make sure that we are not. We've got to learn from history. We've got to not make the same mistakes. We have to understand that it's of the utmost importance that we commit fully to what God's asking us to do. We can shift and change a little along the way, sure, because it's God leading us to somewhere we've never been. So that's why we want to make sure that we are dependent upon uh, him and, and embodying the values that he's giving us. So... So that was, that, like, that's, I was just putting that out there just so we understand the significance and the importance of having a vision, a mission, and values as a church body. But I, I was listening to a um, sermon about visions, uh, or vision casting, rather, for communities uh, this last week while I was in preparation for this message. And I was listening to a message by John uh, Tyson from Church of the City, New York. I've mentioned him up here a few times before. I highly recommend, if you ever want to check out, he has a podcast, uh, The Awaken Network, all about revival. Incredible podcast. And then he also is, yeah, the lead pastor of Church of the City, New York. And uh, their messages are wonderful. You can see their messages on Spotify, all those places. Shameless plug for you, John. Um, Church of the City. There, it's just a great community that is doing an amazing job. Um, in New York City, and I, so I, I, I eat off that table often. And as I was eating this week off of that table, I caught a, uh, a quote that I want to quote to you guys this morning in the middle of his vision message that I was just like, oh, if we can get our heads wrapped around that, right? If we can get our heads wrapped around that, we're going to see things done in miraculous expediency. Do you guys understand? Like things we think are not remotely possible will be able to happen according to God's way. And God's way is 
just efficient and effective and timely according to his time and all of these things, like, right? So I'm like, I just heard this quote and I was just like, God, like, I just want us to understand and, and receive this. And he was talking about, uh, he was talking about it in reference to prayer and fasting. And he was referring a little bit to Isaiah 61. If you haven't read that prophetic chapter in a while, go and take a look. Um, wonderful, wonderful chapter. And he's talking about partnering with God's heart. And the coupling of the power of God attached to our human efforts. You guys get that? The power of God attached to our human efforts. And this, this, the, he said this. Now, okay, so I believe that what we're going to be doing at the beginning of this new year in worship, in prayer, and in fasting, these are the spiritual practices that align our hearts with his. These are the things that, that, that are going to help us to couple with God's heart. And when God sees devotion and he sees sacrifice, he, he anoints, he, he will pour out a, a, his spirit upon that which is a people devoted to him. He will pour out his spirit upon a people who are devoted to him. And I believe that these types of things at the beginning of the year are things that align us right off the bat to see his spirit move more mightily through us. All right, so I just wanted to say that. But this is the quote um, by John Tyson. I'm sorry I don't have slides for you guys this morning. Uh, we went from two weeks of a lot of slides to just me talking. So if, I'll repeat this in case anybody's trying to jot things down. The church is at its best when it has compassion, when it has strategy, when it has will, and when it has divine power attached to it. Amen. The church is at its best when it has compassion, when it has strategy, when it has will, and when it has divine power attached to it. It's John Tyson, Church of the City, New York. This morning, we're talking strategy, all right? And if you don't know where and how over the course of these weeks that you fit into the strategic part of where we're going as a fellowship, I highly recommend you sign up for the Calling Discovery Workshop that Julie Beter is going to be doing on the 13th. If you're like, I don't know what my calling is, or I don't know how, what, I'm called, what I feel called to, how it fits into the grand picture here, sign up and go to the course. All right, Calling Discovery Workshop. I believe there's something there for you, a breakthrough. All right, so just want to throw that out there. But we're talking strategy this morning. And, and I want to show you in a, a, a historical account in Scripture that emulates this quote of compassion, strategy, will, and the divine power of God, all coming together to do what seems impossible. And so if you guys want to turn to Nehemiah chapter 1, if you're page turners, I think the scriptures are all in there. Are we good, Natalie, on the scriptures? Thank you so much. So they are in there. They'll be up on the screen. So we're talking strategy uh, over the course of these next several weeks. But remember, just a reminder, we're at our best when it has compassion, when it has strategy, when it has will, and when it has divine power. Nehemiah chapter 1, 
verse 8 to 9 is what I'm going to be kind of focusing on. But just to give you uh, just a little bit of context leading up to this, um, Nehemiah, his brother and Henani, or believed to be brother, Henani, and his friends, they just came and they gave Nehemiah a report about the deplorable state of Jerusalem back in Israel. And they said, you, you don't even want to see it. The walls are completely dilapidated. They've been decimated because of war. And the, the, the gates are all burnt to the ground. They're crispy. They're still like burning embers, right? And, and, and it's just horrific, the state of God's city. <laughs> and so Nehemiah upon hearing the report, is overwhelmed by brokenness at the state of something God loves so much. God's holy city, God's dwelling, the place that he once told King David, this is where I'm going to dwell with you. And where Solomon built the most beautiful temple to him. It was so beautiful. Their devotion to the Lord in those times and then the and then because of their straying and their walking away and then the not listening and obeying and not allowing the core values to penetrate to their heart, it became a point of destruction where God was like, you, you, you got to learn, guys. It's me. And he allowed them to be dispersed. But he didn't allow them to be dispersed without a promise. All right, and so this is, where, this is where the promise comes into play. So Nehemiah is so brokenhearted, he's so discouraged over the state of things that he begins to pray and fast for several days, it says. He was just weeping, praying, and fasting. And he goes into prayer in, in verse 1, Nehemiah's prayer. It's so beautiful, so beautiful. But in verses 8 and 9, he says, Please remember... And he's talking to God. Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I chose to have my name dwell. I think it's so funny that this man says to God, please remember. God doesn't forget things. So who in this prayer, in this time of prayer, is actually doing the remembering? Nehemiah. Nehemiah, he remembers this promise. And it's, that, that's not happenstance. When we're in prayer and all of a sudden we remember a word that we've received from the Lord or a promise we've received from the Lord, that's God reminding you to pray for that which you are believing for. Amen. So, so he gets reminded in this moment that, he, that there's a promise that's still waiting to be claimed for the nation of Israel. And he's like stirred up by this. The, he, he, the, the but if you return. I love the buts in the Bible. That sounds wrong. I love when he says, <laughs> I love when, whenever you get to a point. <laughs> oh, gosh. Can we edit that? Is there any? 
<laughs> the therefores, the buts, the, you know, those, those things where it says everything hinges on this decision. Everything hinges on what you just heard from me. And he says, but if you return to me and have carefully observed my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I chose to have my name dwell. Nehemiah catches a vision in this moment that is so far beyond the scope of what he could ever possibly comprehend or do in his own strength. Yeah. He is in exile in Persia, in Susa, the capital Cupbearer to the king, Artaxerxes, who he is essentially enslaved to. And he's, he's supposed to what? He's supposed to what? Get every exile that's been dispersed across all of the land. I mean, they're everywhere. They're in Egypt. There is still some in Israel. They're in Persia. You know, all of this Persia was the overtakers of Babylon. So there was like territory everywhere and Israel was all over it. And how is Nehemiah, this cupbearer to a king, nothing but a, essentially a slave, supposed to make this promise come to its completion? I have no idea. I mean, I do because I've read the book. But I, but, but I didn't, or I wouldn't have. If I was Nehemiah, I'd be like, I don't have a clue. But at the same time, by the end of his prayer, not only, in the, not only in the prayer does he catch the vision, but by the end of the prayer, he's got his mission. And you know it because he says, God, please bless me while I ask him, him being the king. So he knows he's got to ask the king something. And he's already asking for the blessing from the Lord for it. He goes into the next scene, right? The next scene, I, I'm, it's my theater coming out. He goes into the next chapter, chapter two, and he's in the presence of the king, right? So it goes from, please bless me while I'm asking the king, and then he jumps to the next chapter. He's in the presence of the king, and he's sad. And the most incredible statement, one of the most incredible statements in this Bible at this point is where it says he's never been sad in the presence of the king before, I can't even imagine going to work every day just like, hey, guys. I mean, I'm pretty close. There might be a couple years. That I, yeah, it was pretty close. But, I, but every day, he's never been sad in the presence of the king before. You want to know why? He could have been killed for it. He could have been put to death for it. That would make me happy in his presence every day. I'd be like, I'm not making you upset about nothing. <laughs> Ever. 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 <laughs> No, but that day he was so determined in his will. Guys, get this, compassion, the strategy, the will. He was so determined in his will, he was willing to die rather than not ask. He was willing to die rather than not plead with the king for all that was necessary in order to see the mission achieved. And so he goes into the presence of the king, completely brokenhearted, and he's just, the king says, what's wrong with you? This is sadness of the heart. And he says to him, how could I be happy when my, my God's city lays in ruin? 
I just have to go as far as to say this in our context today. How can we be happy if God's body lays in pieces? How can we possibly be okay with just being when God is asking us to join with him in uniting his body and in drawing people to his wedding feast? We need to be given over to the compassion of the Lord and feeling the love of God just radiate from us for all of the lost and all of the found, who we might disagree with a little bit, but we're meant to be united with. We're meant to be one body, not just this church. And he, he gets the will to step into the presence of the king despite the potential death and says, king, I need, he's like, if I've found favor in your sight, O oh king, humility, if I've found favor, will you please let me go home and let me build the city, rebuild the city. That's what he says at the end of Nehemiah 2, 4 to 5. He says, then the king asked me, what is your request? So I prayed to God of the heavens and answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. His mission. Vision, all of the remnant coming back together in the presence of the Lord. Mission, rebuild the city. They have to have a safe place to dwell. Will, risking his life to see it happen. And then in, at the end of verse 8 in that same chapter um, is where we get to see this is the most wonderful part. The most wonderful part. This is where we get to see the coupling of the divine power of God with, with Nehemiah's request. It says, Then the king granted my requests, for the gracious hand of my God was on me. He could have been completely taken out in the moment, but God was with him because it was God's design, and it was God's desire, and it was God's will, and it was God's heart he was aligning with, and all he had to do was say yes. Guys, this is the same thing as Esther stepping into the, into the room with the king when she wasn't invited, and he could have easily said, put her to death, and instead he extends his scepter. The grace and the power of an almighty God was with her because it was his will. The church is at its best when it has compassion, when it has strategy, when it has will, and when God's divine power is just blows on it. And then if you flip to Nehemiah 2.18, if you're a page turner, we see the continuation of this 
divine power of God going with Nehemiah where he goes, helping Nehemiah with what he's trying to achieve and what he's trying to do. It says uh, he gets to Jerusalem. He's done his survey of the city. He goes and he talks to the nobles and the officials and the officers. And he says, this is what we're going to do. I have all of the supplies with me. And he says, I told them how the gracious hand of God had been on me and what the king had said to me. They said, let's start rebuilding. And their hands were strengthened to do this good work. Yes. Woo, yes, this is what God does. This is what, this is what he is wanting to do yeah. here. This isn't something he's wanting to do just there in history. This is something he's looking to do now if we look to the prophecies. The latter rains, they're a coming. And he says, in the latter days, I will do more than I did in the former. Come on. Come on, somebody. There's my inner Woody Woodson coming out. Come on, somebody. So he's doing this. And we have an opportunity now to give our yes and in my inner Shakespeare, stick our, what is it, uh, to the sticking post. Ah, oh, stick your wills to the sticking post, something like that. But that's what I'm saying. Anyways, you get what I'm saying. Our will has to be resolved to embody the values, to, to grab hold of the mission, to do all that we can to see the mission completed so that the vision of the coming together of the body of Christ that he is wanting to see can occur. So that's where we're at. That's what we're going for. And when God is with you and your will is aligned with his, nothing can stop you. And seemingly impossible missions get completed in miraculous time. They built that wall in 52 days. This was something that should have taken them years. 52 days. I love it. Yeah. It gives me such hope and it stirs me up with excitement because you think something's impossible and he's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Pray. Fast. Align your will with my heart. Like, and then just say yes when I ask you to do it. And that's, I know it's easier said than done sometimes, but that's what he's after. You might have to say, God, I'm willing to die in order that your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And that's, we have to understand or ask ourselves, who are we more afraid of? Those who can kill the flesh or those who can damn our souls to hell? It's a harsh reality, but it is the truth. I would much rather have the fear of the Lord upon me That's right. than the fear of man. Amen. <laughs> but it's amazing what he can get done in just 52 days. When we've done the work of being filled with compassion, letting him show us his God-given strategy, sticking our will on it, 
And then his breath breathes things into being. He blesses the work of our hands when we do things like that. And then I just, the next thing right after it states about how they got it done in 52 days, it says that all of the enemies, so Tobiah, who, from the Samaritan who was giving him a hard time, Geshem, the Arab who was giving him a hard time, and uh, Samballot, um, or no, Samballot was the Samaritan. Anyways, trying to remember all of them. But anyways, these guys who have been harassing them in the work, it says that all of a sudden they were afraid because they knew it had been done by the hand of God. And so that's what the enemy does when we, when we align ourselves in this way with, the God, with God's will. The enemy's like, yeah. he's not going to back off entirely. He was harassing in the midst of it. But when it got done, it was like, woo. The enemy does not like it when we are doing the will of the Lord. So I believe every church's vision should be beyond its own ability. I believe it should go beyond its four walls. And I believe that it should advocate and incorporate connectivity to the greater body of Christ. And so when we were about to get to to reading through the vision here really quick, um, that that we've had passed out to everybody, um, but that's what, like, that's kind of what is written into this document. It's something that is, that if it's God-given, it's going to be something that has to create dependency on him. That's the only kind of vision I know that he gives. is something that is far outside your own ability to achieve. And you have to rely on him. And you have to be led by him every step of the way. Yeah. And he also doesn't give callings to just other people. He gives callings to you. You. Did you hear that word? You listening? You. Not them over there. Not that person in the back. Not the pastor. Not the, like, you. You have a part in which you are to play. You're not just a stander by who is meant to just sit here every Sunday. I don't even know if, well, I won't even go into that. So, Again, another shameless plug for the Calling Discovery Workshop. If you're not sure where you happen to fit into this, sign up for the Calling Discovery Workshop, all right? Because that's what she's going over, is how do you find your call? How do you connect your call to what God is doing in, uh, in the community, in the region, in the body? And I think it's, I, so as I was thinking about this, I saw like, this will be funny, any risk players out there? Anybody play Risk, the game? Of course, Rich. Yep. Yeah. Most people are like, oh, gosh. That game is the worst. It goes on for days sometimes. Um, <laughs> just depends on how methodical the person is you're playing. Uh, it, can, <laughs> it can actually be done in only a matter of a couple hours. But <laughs> if the person you're playing is like, hmm, hmm. I got to sleep on this one. Then it goes days. <laughs> but I love Risk. I love playing Risk. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, such a fun game. But as I was preparing for this message, I was seeing, because I win. I've only been fortunate to win a couple times. Not often do I win. Um, but as I, was, as I was preparing for this, I was just, I got a vision. Not that this is a game to God, but I did get a vision of God playing Risk. I saw him just kind of like the map of the world. Yeah. Wow. And he had his, his army. And for him, 
It isn't a risk. He's already won. Like there's a point in the game of risk where when I've played it before, when I'm like the few times that I've won, um, where I realize in the moment, I'm like, man, I got this game in the bag. That's God right now. Like, it comes down to the individual person. He took one person, placed him at the perfect place in time, named Jesus Christ, and the victory was won. And when you're playing risk, there's individual soldiers. There's the cavalry piece that represents five. There's the cannon that represents ten. In other words, there's the individual you. There's the small group, home church, small church ministry. There's the big church, big Christian organization ministries going on. And then there's the whole of the ground forces of God. And he's looking at it, and he is, he is strategically placing his pieces right where he wants them. Not anymore for winning's sake. He's placing them for the sake of his grace. Do you understand this? He is, he's allowing time beyond the crucifixion. We, our victory was claimed here. He's allowing time for the word to reach here. We are in a grace dispensation. We're in a grace time beyond the victory of Jesus Christ where we are supposed to be sharing the word of God. That is the gospel with those who need to hear it. We're in this place where he, like as he takes territory in the game of risk, you take territory Every territory you take, once you accumulate so many, you get more pieces every time you get the dice. And so he's got people coming to the Lord. All over the world, people are getting saved. He's building his church. And he's wondering when our piece of the puzzle, whether it's an individual soldier, a cavalry piece, or a cannon piece, he's wondering when we, when he's going to roll the dice and we are going to faithfully take a territory. He's looking for us to take this territory. And I'm not saying us, Praise Fellowship Church, we can't do it alone. I'm saying the church in this region, he's wanting it to come to life, and he's wanting us to faithfully go in to the, to the unknown and see people come to the Lord Amen. and see his army build up, his ground forces created. Yes, I know. It's just so exciting to me. And so we're in this place. Now, this grace dispensation, that's what I'm saying, like, He's just saying, I just have grace for those who are lost still. That's what he's saying. I want them. I want them. I want them. With all of his heart, from the innermost part of his being, which is love, he's saying, I want them. I need them. But I need you to tell them, partner with me. He's like, I mean, he can do it. He draws people to himself all the time through visions and dreams. I mean, Iran is going crazy in revival right now. Muslim women and children and even men coming to the Lord through visions of a man in white coming to them and meeting them and telling them he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's building his church and he'll do it without us. But if you know him, don't you want to be a part of it? Oh, yeah. I want to be a part of it. Like, more than anything. And there's going to be a time, I think, where this, 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 this back and forth doesn't happen like this anymore. There's going to be a time in the church, I think, coming 
coming down the road, and this is just like me, I was listening to a message and I was like, I agree with that. This was another pastor where I felt, he's just like, this isn't going to become enough for you to come here and like to come and to worship and to praise, but to have any, like this type of feeding happening where it's like, you know, this is where you're coming to have your spiritual interaction. Like he's, he's stirring up something in the church that is going to cause us to say, you know what? Maybe this Sunday we hit the streets. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, maybe this Sunday we all just say, you know what? Next Sunday, we're not meeting here. We're going to go here, and we're going to do church. Whatever that looks like. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't think that the norm that a lot of people have been trying to get back to since COVID is ever going to be getting back to. It's not even English, but that's what I'm trying. Like, like <laughs> the norm is never coming again. Things have shifted and changed, and God wants us. Hi, you guys. It's the first time I've looked over to that side of the room. God wants you <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to be a part of this. And I'm just excited about what he's doing, guys. I'm seriously excited. He is, his military forces are growing. His ground forces are growing all over the world. He is going to use this church to do so much in this region, the church to do so much in this state and nation. I'm just, ugh. Come on. Come on, somebody. I, I'm going to... I might start just do, doing that on, all the time. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But one of the things God does is he positions, or when you're playing risk, you position your unit in the direction of the territory you want to take. And he's working on us right now to position us for what ground he's about to take. I believe it wholeheartedly. We are being positioned North, south, east, west, right? He's saying, this is the way I want you to go. This is where I want you to go. This is what I'm wanting you to do. Da, 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 da. He's working this. And it's not just me. I'm not the only person in here that's been given this gift of receiving these things. And so I'm just letting you know. Yeah, I see Sandy nodding her head back there. Yeah, I haven't read the email yet. I will get to it. But I am telling you, like, God speaks to you too. <laughs> and you know that he does. But I'm just saying, like, like let's... Do this together. Yeah. I'm certainly not opposed to input. All right? So I'm like, let's, let's, let's do this. He has a strategic plan for us in this region to see his kingdom expand and territory taken. When we came home last... Okay, all right. I'm just going to jump to the vision. Save the testimony for later. All right, really quick testimony because it gives you a little bit of context for the vision. So, yeah, you guys, I've been enjoying the laughter with you guys this morning. This has been great. Um, <laughs> but you have to hear this, this, at least this small part in order to, hold on, let me grab a Kleenex really quick. In order to really get the, 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 the language that we use in the vision, um, All right, so when we were home, Kira and I came home last fall. We came home, it was a very sudden thing. 
because we had gotten word while we were in Mexico of a very dear friend's death. And we felt the weight of that death in relation to our friends and our family in the church in this region. And we were like, she was a good friend of ours. She was never somebody who I walked into the presence of and didn't laugh at least a few times. <laughs> she was never somebody who didn't cheer me up when I saw her because she was just such a personality. So when we came home, drove from Mexico back across this, the, the country day and night, we did it in like two and a half days with our girls in a little Honda CRV. <laughs> and we made it back, oh sorry, in time for the celebration of life service, which was one of the most amazing celebration of life services. I just was so blessed by it. Um, when we caught that word and when we came back to this area and when we, f we felt a heaviness on our hearts and in our spirits for our friends and our family and the church in this region, it was, I, I can sort of equate it to the way Nehemiah felt when he got the report of the, de the decimation of the city, of God's city. And so we were like, whoa, God, what is that? What we didn't realize at the time was that was the compassion of God being placed in our hearts for everybody here, for everybody we love, everybody we know. And it was like a, a it was heavy, but we were like wrestling with it. So we were praying about that. And then we came home and we were here for that. We ended up staying for like the whole holiday season, three months. Over the course of that three months, we were getting words from the Holy Spirit. We were for... We were getting visions. We were having, you know, like seeing pictures. Like there was a lot of spiritual downloading going on during that time because we were like, God, why do we feel this way? What, what is this burden that is, you've placed on our heart? And he was like, I want you, I'm, I'm doing a thing and I want you to be a part of it. And, and, uh, and so he was leading us through to the point where we finally were like, okay, God. And it wasn't like I need, he didn't, here's the other thing. He never needs us to do something. He wants us to. So we came to the end of our time of this like, spiritual journey where he was showing us visions and dreams. and It was for the region, but a lot of it was specific to this house, which we didn't quite understand. We met with AJ and Tammy. We met with Rich and Ann. We were having conversations and meals, talking about it all during that time. And, uh, and, and we realized by the end of the December, so it was literally like this time last year, that we were supposed to knock on the door at Praise Fellowship to see if it would open. In other words, like if we were supposed to see if, if stepping into being a part of the pastoral team here was available to us, because that's what we felt God was asking us to do. So we knocked, the door opened. They were like, come on in. It was such a nice, warm welcome. Come on in. <laughs> and so that's where things shifted for us. But in the course of that, and then over the course of the, the you know, ensuing year, we kept praying and we kept seeking and we kept hearing things and getting things. And, and so this vision that we're going to read through here in just a second is a culmination of a lot of words, pictures, visions, you know, things that we've been getting um, in, in, in input from words that have been given from the leadership here at this church as well, like put together into this statement. But one of them, really quick, was I saw a vision of a map of the region. 
and I saw a pin right where Praise Fellowship Church was. And then as I was looking at the map, I saw a pin drop, and I saw a pin drop, and I saw a pin drop. And as I was looking at those pins, I realized that they all indicated other churches in the region. And then the Spirit sort of spoke to me in the vision, these aren't churches, they are gates to the kingdom of heaven, or at least they are supposed to be. And he was like, then as I was looking at these gates, these city gates to the kingdom of God, I saw walls of fire start to connect between the pins. And I was like, what is that, Lord? And he was like, that's my Holy Spirit. Connecting gate to gate to gate, essentially creating what would have looked something like the city of Jerusalem when it was all reconstructed. And it was, I was like, I have no idea. This is like Nehemiah, right? I have no idea how you want to achieve that. That's the vision. Like to a large degree. At least that was part, of, that was a big part of my portion of it. All right? There's a lot more Kira has and a lot more, like there's, there's, a, there's a lot to it. But before we read this, I just needed to tell you that in relation so that you can, oh, and here's the best part. So I come in and I'm talking to AJ about this. And I was like, AJ, I said, this is a vision I saw. And I was the map and the pin. And then he goes, look back there. Everybody see that? There's a map of the region. And there's literally a pin right where Praise Fellowship is at. I had no idea. I just saw it. I was here, and I, he pointed at that, and I was like, that's confirmation. That's God confirming what he's trying to do yeah. in this region. It's not happenstance. It's not coincidence. Amen. These are the things and the ways in which God speaks. And sometimes we quickly brush things off. Too quickly brush things off as just coincidence yeah. or happenstance. Yeah. And that's not what's going on here. This is God moving and trying to speak to us all. Okay, so the kids are about to come up soon. Let's read through this. Did everybody get one? If you didn't get one, there were plenty copied off, so you can grab one before you go. Yep. So I put the top, and I questioned this. I put at the top God's vision. I had just the vision. But then I was like, you know, and, and like I, part of it is I don't, like, by no means do I want to be like, Thus saith the Lord. But at the same time, I don't want to, I'm not here to do something less than what God's wanting me to do. We shouldn't be here to do things less than what God wants us to do. We need to be thriving and, and going after that which God is giving us as a vision. And so I put God's vision because I believe it is. My flesh sometimes is like, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you proud, arrogant, you know? I'm like, I, I, so don't get that wrong when you see God's vision. Understand that this is what we believe is happening in the, in the region. In this next movement of the Holy Spirit, the city gates of our community, which are the individual churches, will be spiritually rebuilt, reformed, revitalized, and purified. Sounds just like Nehemiah going and, and working on the city and the walls and the gates. Becoming open heavens and becoming a dwelling place for God. The altar at each gate will become a table that Jesus Christ himself prepares for us as we prepare our hearts for him. 
through consecration and honoring our covenant marriage with him. Fear of the Lord will pierce the hearts of all who come, marking us forever by his glory, his redemption, his holiness, his power, his love, and his blood. So glad the kids are starting to trickle in for this part. <laughs> Each family will take responsibility for their part in rebuilding the wall. That's another Nehemiah reference. When he got there and he was given the strategy, he said, go to the section of wall in front of your home and build it. So each family was responsible, or the priests were responsible for building the, rebuilding the section of wall right in front of their dwelling. And so that's, this, is, this is biblical stuff, revival. Um, so yeah, each family will take responsibility for their part in rebuilding the wall together. Revival will begin in our homes. Personal, marital, and familial, which will then spread throughout our communities, cities, states, and the nations. Praise, fellowship, and communion will be happening daily in the home and in the church, a.k.a. the city gates. People will no longer be eating the breadcrumbs of the leadership's walk with Christ, but will be partaking in the bread of life for themselves, devoted to the word, to prayer, to worship, and to each other. The homes that are between each city gate will be set ablaze through a movement of communion prayer, which will overflow into worship, word, and fellowship. They will connect to one another, house to house, by Holy Spirit fire. That's the walls of fire that I saw. It was homes. I asked the Lord, what, how does that happen? What does that look like? And he was showing me homes filled with worship, homes filled with studying the word of God, homes filled with prayer, homes filled with uh, fellowship. And, huh? Presence, yes. And so, the, um, so the homes are going to be lit and house to house will be fired. That's how this region gets transformed. We will gather together on Sundays at our city gate with our lamps already full of oil. He will get all the honor, all the glory, all praise. Everything comes from him and everything will go to him as one body and one bride will shout Maranatha. Maranatha means come, Lord Jesus. Yeah. So that's the vision. The vision is connectivity to the greater body in the region. The vision is revival in the homes. The vision is, is discipleship of, of uh, children and uh, the training up and uh, the building up of the body. And another thing just to throw out there, the, the, the connectivity in the homes because when I felt like God was showing me what was going on in the homes, I'm like, so what? We're supposed to start small groups? <laughs> and he, like, we're supposed to have a house, house churches? You know, and he was like, no. This isn't like Praise Fellowship small group ministry. Not that that's a bad thing. What he showed me was these, these meetings were mixed with members from multiple congregations. So part of the process is going to be connecting with people at the different city gates and saying between our city gate and your city gate, we each have congregation members. Who's, who's willing to host? Who's willing to open up their doors and let some praise fellowshippers in there even though we get a little charismatic, right? 
Like, who's willing to, to, to participate in this unification of the body of Christ? And if somebody's like, we don't want anything to do with you, then we will go to the next city gate. And we will go to the next city gate. And we will continue to work on unifying the body as God desires us to. But one of the big, just a couple really quick points in regards to this, just to give a little bit more depth of insight into the vision. Um, the first statement that I felt like people might be like, open heavens, what? Like open heavens is something that is spoken about throughout scripture. And the disciples get to experience open heavens. John experienced open heavens. Essentially the whole book of Revelation was given to him through an open heaven, right? Um, the, Peter experienced open heavens. The heavens opened and angel, the, they came down with the, when he was told that the Gentiles were allowed to become part of the faith. That was an open heaven experience. Old Testament, Jacob experienced an open heaven. After he built the altar, Jacob's ladder occurs where he sees the angels ascending and descending. Right? So open heavens is something that is going to be created in these city gates as we dedicate ourselves and sacrifice ourselves. Dedicate ourselves and sacrifice ourselves and we will experience open heavens. This place will be a place where the presence of God is dwelling with us. That's where it says, the last part of that, a dwelling place for God. Jesus frequented the home in Bethany where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived because he was welcome there and the doors were open to him. He dwelled there often. He reclined at that table often in scripture. This is what we want to see happen here is a reclining where the presence of God comes and reclines with us and the table is set. And there's so much more in this, but we already have the kids back here. So I want to, I'm going to get to the, the, this part about the revival in the homes. This is why I wanted the kids to come back up here. Sorry, and I, I realized just now that I actually even kind of skipped over the actual vision statement at the bottom of the page. Um, let's just read through that together. Everybody, got, everybody has a paper? Read out with your loudest voice. We're going to read the vision statement together. Okay? Yes, yes, clear your throats. <coughs> yes. <coughs> All right, and a one, and a two, and a three. <laughs> to join together as one family with Jesus Christ as the head, seated at his table, that he has prepared in order for all mankind to be in loving fellowship with him. Doesn't that sound bigger than we could possibly ever imagine attaining on our own? But that's God's vision. And that's what we're aiming for. All right? In Matthew 29, 9, 10, I put the reference on there for this verse that coincides with the vision statement. Um, the reference is Matthew 29, 9 through 10. And this is where Jesus is talking about the parable of the feast or the, or the wedding party, right? The master who's throwing a, a wedding party for his son. And he gets all things prepared, but the guests that he invites didn't come for multiple reasons. And then he says in this 9 through 10, he says, Go then to where the roads exit the city and invite everyone you find to the banquet. Come on. Yes. Go then 
to where the roads exit the city and fight everyone. He's talking to his servants. Who are we? His servants. Yes, invite everyone you find to the banquet. So those servants went out on the roads and gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. The wedding banquet was filled with guests. You're like, both evil and good? You want to know what that means? You're not the judge. You're not the judge. Just invite them. Just invite them. The party is set up, y'all. The banquet is ready. Y'all, just invite them. Whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly. Whoever sows abundantly reaps abundantly. So at this time, what I want to do is I want to have uh, everybody, all the families together. Can, kids, can I hear? I'm with my mom and dad. Get with your mom. Of course, it had to be mine. Rich, you mind doing me a favor? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, do you mind coming up here really quick? So in relation to this vision and what has been going on, um, there's different aspects of it that have been moving and, and, and kind of starting to shift in certain ways. And I'd be happy to expound on that, but we're out of time. But just know that God is working and doing things. He's moving this vision towards already, towards what he's wanting to see happen. It's not just okay, now that you've heard it, let's start. Like, no. Now that you've heard it, you're invited to be a part of what he's doing. It's a question of your will. Will you or won't you? That's where it's at. So, but one of the areas that, that Kira and I are so passionate about, and I know the other leaders of this church are so passionate about, is this part about revival beginning in the home. This is key. One of, the key. one of the main areas that the enemy has decimated the walls of the church in relation to the kingdom of God and the God's city it, or, or God's temple, if we're also his temple, is in the home. He has brought about destruction in the home. And we have got to reclaim it. When it get, what, what was the song? It was um, the very last song we did that I was... Rest, yes, restoration. He wants to restore the home. And that was one of the things that popped into my head as we were singing that song. This is what he's about. And so I want us to receive a blessing from this father of the faith up here um, over us as families. And you, if you don't have your family here with you, receive the blessing. All right? If you're like, you know, or you're, you're grandma and grandpa with grandkids, receive the blessing. It, it does, this doesn't pertain to the, the, the perfectly intact family unit. This pertains to the family. Receive the blessing. All right, you guys? And so, yeah, Luke, if you want to start, I forgot to let you know. There was a moment I was planning on saying, hey, Luke, come on up here. But then I skipped that moment. So, so. So yeah, so uh, actually, let's stand to our feet.
moms, dads, grandparents, whoever, you wrap your children up. Kids, go ahead, stand up with your folks. Get a big old hug. Big old hug from your, from your children or from your parents. If, you, if, you're, if this is for your extended family who you know is going through stuff, receive the blessing. If this is for whatever XYZ situation that just happened over the holidays, receive the blessing. All right? Let's, let's see revival in the homes. Amen? Amen. All you family units, husbands and wives, turn and face each other. We've done this before. Dads, moms, put your hands on your kids. Surround them. Satan wants to destroy you. The little units that we've got in place all over this room, God, God bless us all because Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy the connection that you have. So we've got to resist. Submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. And so as we look to this new year, everybody's always in expectation of a new year and getting to put up the new calendars and the hope that it brings. But let's look at every single day as a new start. We may not get to put a new calendar up. We may not get to throw the old one out. But throw the old day out. Every day is a fresh start. Make the best of it. Make God's best of it. So, Lord, we thank you for all those that are gathered here. All these family units, even the ones that the representation is one person. Lord, bless each and every one of us with greater strength, greater wisdom, your peace. Your peace to weather the storms that are coming. That in spite of the storm, we have that peace. And we know, Lord, that our trust has to be in you. So we thank you for all that you're going to do, the restorations, the renewals, the rekindlings, all that you have to take us forward, to be part of your plan, to be part of the glory that is coming to this region, to your body all across the world. So Lord, we thank you. We give you honor and glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen, amen. <laughs> she attached to me. Um, she said her leg was hurting, all right? I was like, all right, I'll pick you up. <laughs> Not next week. Um, so I just want to say really quick, as you guys head out into your week, um, I really hope we see you tomorrow night in real life for the First Fruits worship. Don't, don't forget to lead, get a prayer guide. Join us with prayer. Thursdays, fast food. <laughs> so funny. And uh, yeah, and God bless you all, everyone. <laughs>